This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for football. Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome to Just for Kicks with myself, Cam Raslan, and we have an absolute packed show tonight. We have the Asian Cup, we have some Premier League, we got FA Cup replays, and we have the African Cup of Nations and a bit of Spanish Super Cup as well, being played in its traditional home of Riyadh. <laughs> um, and we're going to start with our two pundits, Kishnan Sundaresan. Hello, hello. Good to be here, Cam. You're a, a very, very anxious Kishnan Sundaresan, <laughs> by the way. We'll find out why in a moment. And Myra. Yeah, happy to be back. Happy New Year. 15 days late, but happy New Year nonetheless. Thank you. Yeah, well to everyone. And um, so, uh, Asian Cup, Kishnan. Uh, tonight, Malaysia playing Jordan. Yeah. Is that anything, any reason why you are feeling anxious? Oh, it's, I don't even know where to start. Um, this is arguably Malaysia's biggest football game in over 40 years. Wow. Um, for for those listening, if you're, if you're not familiar with, with Malaysian football, I mean, we've not been to the Asian Cup on merit since 1980. That was the last time Malaysia got there on merit. Um, the last time we were there, uh, 2007, uh, we got there by virtue of being co-host with Indonesia, Thailand and Singapore. Um, so after all those years of waiting and, and demanding and, and, and fans protesting and, and all everything that we've gone through, all the ups and downs has led to this moment, Malaysia back at the Asian Cup. Um, and we're in a group with Jordan, Bahrain, South Korea, first game tonight against Jordan. Now, the reason I'm feeling anxious is because uh, there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic, right? The team has been doing well. Recent performances has been good. Uh, we've, we've done well against teams that are ranked better than us. Uh, the, the, the squad is generally quite uh, you know, stacked with depth, I would say. It's probably a, one of the best teams Malaysia has ever produced. Uh but also years of disappointment and years of frustration and years of being a beaten up Malaysian football fan has, you know, is making me feel a bit uh, shaky about tonight's fixtures. And therein lies the the problem and the mm. anxiety. I'm an England fan, so I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but Myra, people keep telling me that this Malaysian team is the best they've so, I mean, can we say the best? One of the best. One, one of the best. One of the best. So, I, yeah. Yeah. Are you feeling as anxious or optimistic? I mean, Keish sounds like he's saying that Malaysia's <laughs> going to win the cup. Keish oh. is just dying next to me. <laughs> I did not say that, Cameron Jinxit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but I agree with Keish. Um, I think this is one of the best Malaysian squads we've ever seen. And the general feeling around the team is very, very positive. We've gotten results against teams ranked above us. Mm. Uh, I think we've got two wins, two draws and two losses. Mm. And that's against really, really good teams. Again, like, I think also this team is kind of, everyone is kind of at their peak and their prime, yeah. especially yeah. like our winger Arif Ayman we have like a very very solid midfield um, the general feeling general consensus is pretty positive but the realist in me also understands that this is a very very tough group we are the lowest rank in the group we are 130 Jordan Bahrain are 86 and 87 I think and Korea is 23rd like 23rd yeah and um, it's, it's going to be tough it's going to be tough but I feel like we can nick a positive result in one or two games. But just to be clear, though, a loss here would be the... That's it. Um, it wouldn't mean the end of it. Um, so basically, the mechanism is not just group winners and runners-up go through to the round of 16. Um, out of the eight groups, four best third-place teams also 
technically can go through to the round of 16. So if you lose this game, um, it's not the end of the world, but it makes your life significantly more difficult because ideally you'd want to go into the final group game against uh, South Korea that has, you know, just a small matter of Son Heung-min and, and <laughs> Kwang Hee-chan and, and all these guys. Uh, ideally, you want to get into that game without needing to win where we can play freely. Obviously, you go into the game wanting to win, but you don't need to and that can remove the pressure out of you. By then, you've secured qualification. But if you lose in this one, then that almost certainly makes the final game and uh, a crucial and an important one as well. So that's that's where the dynamic is at the Three moment. 3-0 like in South Korea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Myra, let's talk about some of the other favourites then mm-hmm. for the for the Asian Cup, aside from Malaysia. Um, we're, we're, I mean, Japan, I watched uh, Japan-Vietnam. Mm-hmm. I mean, Vietnam took the lead. That, that was they were looking good, but then Japan just Japan did, and yeah. they're very good. <laughs> I think Japan was playing in like second gear for the first part. Um, mm-hmm. They were very. I think the whole tournament. I mean, the mo- most of the opening matches, a lot of teams have been going out pretty pragmatic, pretty defensive. At least in the first half, they were probably sussing out their opponents and you know trying to counter in the second half, which is I guess you know knockout football is always like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I was very surprised because Vietnam was also a depleted squad I think mm. they were out of uh, a bunch of their key players were missing mm. and then um, it was a big surprise that they scored two set piece goals really really good headers as well yeah. against Japan but once Japan like got into gear and they were playing you know fluid football those short passing combinations they were just on it it was very very difficult to catch up with them what, what's the name of the goal the goal scorer who he was very good in the World Cup as well uh, plays in Germany uh, uh, Minamino 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 yeah. oh, yeah, Minamino. Minamino. He's in. He plays in Germany. He's in yeah. France right now, right? France. Monaco, I think. Yeah, yeah he's uh, in Monaco. Producer yeah. Daryl's nodding his head enthusiastically <laughs> there. Um, hey, speaking of producer Daryl, what's the score? There is actually a match happening now. It's one nil to. Oh, South Korea it's taking South Korea the lead. Scored. Right. Is yeah, that, just before halftime. Then is that right? a bad thing? What's views? No, no, no. Uh, not a bad thing. But uh, you know, we we were hoping for for Bahrain to pull off an upset, mm-hmm. maybe a draw. Uh, but it's yeah, this business early. business as usual. Thirty eight <laughs> minutes. Son Heung Min. Who else but him? Right. Right. And uh, we got just enough time to ask Kishan and then for his predictions. Uh, with okay, uh, we'll forget Malaysia then. Overall, who do you think could um, could win this? My, my this? pick for this tournament was. Japan. Um, I think they've got a squad good enough to even compete for the World Cup, let's say, if the World Cup was happening now. That's how good um, the team is with the depth of players. I mean, bear in mind, right, some of the players that didn't even make it to the team, mm. uh, that, that couldn't even get into the final 23-player list, are the likes of um, Kyogo Furuhashi, who's in Celtic, um, and, and, and a whole bunch of other superstars that are playing in Europe. So it's, it's, a, it's a really stacked team, and I think... Japan are the major favourites to win the tournament. And then slightly below them, you've got a bunch of other teams mm. that I would say are almost similar. Um, Saudi Arabia, I mean, Man- Mancini gave a, yeah. an absolute bomb of a press conference earlier today where he dropped three players from the team saying that uh, if you do, they, they don't want to play for the team so they don't deserve to be here and he called up new three players. So Saudi Arabia, South Korea, Iraq... Uh, to some extent, Uzbekistan, um, these are all teams that you've got to keep an eye on as well. Qatar, for that matter, huh? they can pull mm-hmm. off an upset. Yeah. Ma- Myra, choose your, your uh, favourite. For the, for the, for the champion. Yeah. 
I have to say Japan as well. This the squad and this is also coming off of a very good performance in the World Cup. Yeah. Um, they were really really great. They're lethal in front of goal. They have the players. Um, no, they're, they're not afraid. They're not, oh, afraid. they're not afraid. And yeah. like the way they play is also very very beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. So it's just very enjoyable. They're again like it's very positive squad. Very very positive feelings around the squad as well. Mm. I would say like I would put another name into the mix. Kish, I thought Iran played really well. Oh yes, I forgot yeah. Iran. Yeah. Yeah. Even though like yeah. they were fa- yeah, facing um, yeah. Palestine, but they were on it from the first minute. They mm. were lethal. You know, they have really good players. Mehdi Taremi is still mm. there. So Iran is also one of the front runners. Australia, they're the one. Could be yeah, of a yeah. dark horse from the back. Australia, yeah. 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 Okay, well, uh, good luck to them all against Malaysia. And, uh, <laughs> why not? Just, just talk them up. And, they had a uh, dream, right? Yeah, and we'll, we'll be catching up with the scoreline with the South Korea Bahrain. Still 1-0 uh, as we go along. Um, but for now, we'll take a break. When we come back, some Premier League action here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Uh, winter break, not here on Just for Kicks. And not with a bunch of teams also in the Premier League, but some are on a win- winter break and it's really very confusing. So um, let's start with this one. I'm going to tell you, Myra. Mm-hmm. Let's forget Manchester United <laughs> fan here, Keishan. We'll get to him. Manchester United 2, Spurs 2. Um, what stood out for me? Hoyland seems to mm-hmm. be coming good. Uh, Rich Allison can only score with his head, which really surprises me. And um, Timo Werner yeah. from Chelsea, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, where I believe he's still quite popular, fan favourite, but uh, not a big goal scorer. But Ange wants him. Um, yeah, I, I was very, very surprised, actually, that he suddenly wanted Timo Werner out of everyone in world football. He hasn't been getting a lot of like game time as well. And um, he's, uh, I, I wouldn't say he was struggling, but still in front of goal, he's not like the number one pick that you would want for like a lone player even, you know. But yeah, he is, he played 46 minutes. Oh no, he got an assist in 46 minutes mm. and um, equaled his tally for, you know, his number of assists for Chelsea in one season. Um, <laughs> oh, so, you know, if Ange can fix him, maybe I should also schedule an appointment with Ange, you know. <laughs> I think we all um, should, actually. Yeah, but it was it was a very, very good um, display from Spurs. Also, I think um, when you said Richarlison can only score with his head, it actually took him like a while before he started scoring with his feet, which is like in December last year. Mm. He finally did after like how how long 46 games or something like he finally scored with his feet and then he did it again and then now he's back to regular Richarlison scoring with his head but I mean I, th- I thought Spurs were going to really struggle these coming weeks with, with Son Heung-min away etc but uh, they did pretty well um, or was that because Keish Manchester United <laughs> yeah, I, was just I, about I thought Manchester United were okay actually I, I, I was just about to get there I mean to the to the naked eye when when you look at the you look at a football game as a one off right you look at a football game as a one off you'd think that yeah it was a fairly decent performance from man united yeah uh, but if you look at at the game as part of a larger context then you you'd see the similar problems similar issues uh, my problem with Man United isn't just when they play bad and lose games. Is that when we, even when we win, there, there's no enough conviction. Um, even when we draw games against superior opposition, and I would consider Spurs to be one, there's still no 
conviction. There's still no style of play, uh, no ability to have any sort of control. And that's my biggest pet peeve, right? Like the, the game is just filled with so many firecracker players. Everyone just wants to take high-risk decisions on the pitch. Your, your centre-back wants, wants to make a high-risk pass um, and, and lose possession. Your midfielder wants to do that. Your striker is making a high-risk uh, dribble. So when you've got a team of, of you know, players that just wants to want to con- continuously explode, then United just become a side that just struggle to have any sort of control or ball retention. And that's why this was a game, Cam, by the way, that United should have won, given you know the, the, the spells of, of momentum that they had in this game. It was more than enough for them to win it. But they ended up not winning it. And that's a, larger, a lot of it has got to do with Spurs being good, but also the mm-hmm. fact that United just can't have any sort of control over yeah, games. Yeah. But also Spurs were without like a few key players. Oh, yes, there was yeah. like no Son, no who, who Kulusevski. Did, who, who, came no. To, who did they come to Old Trafford with in, in the middle of the park? Let me just double check it. Skip Hoiberg. <laughs> Oliver Skip, yeah. Pierre-Emil Hoiberg and Ben Tenker. Yeah. Far from their first... That is not you know, their main double pivot. Yeah, like, so. Usually they play so much better with Bissouma yeah. and Saar. We know this. Yeah. And the fact that they lost them but still played really, really well says a lot about United yeah. more than them. Yeah, Really? Does it? Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, I don't know. I Okay, uh, new minority shareholder bounce. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's That's a thing a now. That's a new one. It's yeah. a thing now. Um, I kind of, I, maybe I was reading too much into it, but I kind of felt that you said conviction Keisha I I thought that they were playing with conviction I I want to see I don't know I mean for me conviction means that knowing what to do at what phases of the game I mean as as regular fans that are watching the game we look at it as a 90 minute block but most coaches and players look at it as batches of 10 minutes or even 15 minutes where in certain portions you increase the tempo in certain portions you slow it down you seize control you you know the, the word is game management right United have absolutely no game management at all and that's part and parcel of being a, a football team with conviction. And th- that's my problem with United. And mm. It has been my issue with them from last year. Maybe not so much last year, but a lot of this year. Um, and even in this game against Spurs. Okay, well, Keisha, he sounds like he wants to press a panic button. No, no, no. <laughs> but, I don't know? even know if there's a panic button <laughs> with United. We'll, we'll, what we'll, is we'll, the we'll panic supply, button? We'll supply one. Don't worry, don't worry. Produ- <laughs> Producer Daryl will create one for you. Le- I thought it was a good match, though. It was a good match. Fair enough, yeah. It was, yeah. It was, it was, it was a good match. Yeah. It was a good match. And another very good match was Newcastle United 2, Manchester City 3, Myra. And... Oh, these goals were really good. <laughs> they were so good. They were so good. And and um, the one thing that struck me was like, oh dear, De Bruyne is back. Um, might as well just carve the name of Manchester City on the cup now. <laughs> Serious, come on. I mean, I, I kind of agree. He, he looks... The game, was, the, the game was fun in itself. But when he came on, though, in the 69th minute and got a goal after mm. just five minutes... It was just incredible. I think everyone in world football actually missed him as well because Manchester City without Kevin De Bruyne's incisive passes into the final third, they're not the same. They tried to do it with Alvarez, they tried to do it with Foden, and they're really, really good players. But Kevin De Bruyne came on and just instantly looked like the smartest player on the pitch for them. Yeah, and that goal, I, I didn't even know what he was doing with his feet. It was like, oh, it's a goal. I thought he was playing with his right foot, but then suddenly the left foot seemed to do something, and it was. He a goal. came back like um, with a new haircut. He is leaner as well, and I think um, 
this is probably the longest break he's had, mm. which is really good for him because I've seen him play week in, week out for like years through mm. their, you know, treble, through their yeah. Champions League, you know, um, group stages and stuff. But yeah, this is a very, very long break. He deserved it. I feel like he's coming back with a new... Revive spirit I, I just want to pick up on that Because I think that's Really really important In the context of Man City Right A, a lot of people At the start of the season Spoke about the fact that When you've won the treble um, You can sometimes feel The fatigue of winning The following season I mean I, I know people Make it a point to say That United Dominated despite winning The treble the previous year In 1999 But that was a different Premier League era Where the amount of competition Is nowhere close to the level of of competition you have right now. Right now, one second of, of a lapse in concentration, mm. other teams are ready to pounce on you. And in Man City's situation, a lot of people argued that that could potentially happen. And I think it's it's been timely in, in a weird way. It's been timely that Rodri had that face out with a bit yes. of an injury and suspension. Um, Ilkay Gundogan left the team. John Stones has had that, that, that face out mm. injured. Kevin De Bruyne now, again, injured. Haaland is now having that break. And I think these things are super important because it's giving players the time to get away from it, reassess what they want, and then come back with a renewed sense of desire and optimism. Mm. And I'm seeing that in KDB. Mm-hmm. And I think we will see that in Erling Haaland. This is the longest break he has ever had in his career. He yes. has never missed more than nine games. That was the record before at Dortmund. Now he's missed ten and potentially even more. So when these guys all come back together, you're going to have a renewed sense of of uh, fire within them and that's going to propel Man City in the second half of the season. But um, but Myra, Newcastle United. So actually somebody said on Twitter that uh, Newcastle United versus Manchester City um, in five years' time will either be the Champions League final <laughs> or the League One playoffs, <laughs> d- depending on the price of oil. Um, and uh, so Newcastle United, they seemed on the up at the beginning of the season. I just checked actually they're they're 10th now. And I think they played very well, et cetera, et cetera. But is Eddie Howe going to be facing... I mean, they're below Chelsea. I mean, that's how bad things are. I know. I know. <laughs> I realised that when you said they were 10th, I'm like, oh, it, was, it wasn't us? <laughs> no, no, no. Chelsea, ninth. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I mean, they are playing well. But I do think um, there's just been too many injuries. Mm. And also, like, the squad depth is very, very thin. You could see in the match versus Man City who Man City brought from the bench and who they would try to bring from the bench. Mm. And even, like, I think on the bench, they had a few academy players as well. And that just speaks to how thin their squad is at the moment. I do think when everyone is back fit, they will get it together again. But at the moment, I don't think it's much on Eddie Howe himself. I think it's just the fixture congestion. They also, you know, just came back from, you know, playing in the Champions League. There's been a lot of games and they're not used to it, right? They were not used to competing and like four fronts, the Premier League, the Cups, the Champions League. So I think they're also trying to, they're, you know, they were excited about it, but also this is a big reality check of how depleted their squad is and also like the kind of holes they will need to plug in the transfer season. I mean, in just, summer. just to add on to Myra's point, right? Louis Smiley, um, the player in midfield, is like 17 years old. How many months? I can't yeah. remember. And he's already accumulated over 700 minutes of football this season. You would not find another 17-year-old anywhere across the Premier League that has got that amount of involvement. It's it's ridiculous. And I think that speaks to the volume of, of the injury crisis that they've had. Yeah. So very quickly then, uh, Manchester City are going to win the league <laughs> I mean I, I mean come on they 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 are now sitting well in second um 
40, uh, two points behind Liverpool. Uh, they they got Kevin De Bruyne back. Yeah, yeah they are definitely my favourites. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping for a Liverpool upset. Um, you know, I, I think Liverpool can kind of with the chaos and everything is just mm. so fun to watch, and mm-hmm. they're just like heavy metal football at the moment. I, I hope they can pull through. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, well, uh, speaking of um, hoping they pull through, uh, Myra Chelsea won, Fulham nil, West London derby. It came down to a penalty. I, I mean, you know, I've had signs of life in um, yeah. Chelsea. Signs of life, signs of improvement. I think they needed this win because just last week, midweek, we lost to Middlesbrough in the Carabao Cup. Mm. Uh, it was the first leg, but um, even then, it was a championship side. They had a, an injury list rivaling ours. They also had like 10 or 11 players out as well. They were playing with like their bench and um, they won. They were playing really well. They controlled the game as well. And Chelsea were toothless in attack. Um, like the usual, you know, but yeah, this is such a huge performance versus Fulham. It was three points and a clean sheet because Chelsea have not kept many as of late. Um, I think also very, very glad again for Cole Palmer in the squad because, mm-hmm. you know, like the last reliable penalty taker for Chelsea was Jorginho and he scored seven goals, seven penalties in one season. He was a top scorer. So it's now it's nice now that we have, you know, strikers, we have penalty takers can also contribute to like the whole goal involvements for Chelsea. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Clutching the straws there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's nice that we have got a penalty taker. Uh, true, I mean, to be true. fair, Kev, you, you'd be be surprised to find out just how important these kinds of players yes. become in the modern game. Yeah. I, okay. Fine margins. I ca- okay, I guess, I guess. Um, uh, Keish, if I was to turn to you and... Um, if you were to solve Chelsea's problems, I mean, assuming that Chelsea has a problem, I think Chelsea has a problem. Um, what, 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 the potential solutions are buy more players, get a new manager, um, or stick with what you've got and somehow conjure something out of it. I mean, I, think about it, right? The, the scale of the reconstruction at Chelsea, it, it's, it's crazy to expect instant results. And that's my biggest problem with modern football, right? Like every team that, that goes through a, a, a bit of change, you, you you need the results to be instant or else the manager's head gets on the chopping block. Mm. And it's it's completely unrealistic because you, you need to give these guys some time to, to get the team together. I mean, it also does not help that a lot of these new signings have just been injured and, you know, struggling to, to get into full match fitness. Um, having said that, um, one short, quick fix that will definitely help them is a striker. It, it's not rocket science, right? There's a lot of arguments you can make about all the other positions and why Chelsea are, you know, adequately uh, stacked in those areas. But the attacking department, in terms of scoring goals, it's the only place where they are they are slightly lacking at the moment. And I know Christopher Nkunku is there, and I know Nicholas Jackson has done you know, reasonably well. But just having a killer striker up front will make a whole world of difference well, for look, any football team. Look, Lukaku is still a, a, a <laughs> Chelsea player. And I mean, Victor Osiman has been teasing, but I don't know has, how long you wait. Has. But the thing is yeah. that Chelsea will only buy young players. I mean, that is... The, that's the method. That's the yeah, plan. Yeah, below twenty-five. Yeah, yes. so is not Simpson below twenty-five? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But yeah. they're very, very interested in him. So I mean, I'm, I'm Lewandowski may be too old, but <laughs> but but if you had a, an an old head, an old striker who who the players could look up to, who's been there, done that, that would be the kind of thing they need. But they're not going to buy that player. They're going to get a young guy. I, I, I think Chelsea might make 
exemptions for, let's say, an Osiman is like 26 for or 27. I think that's still okay to fit into mm. the Chelsea project. And someone like him coming in instantly lifts the technical ceiling okay. of that attack. Yeah. So, uh, Ma- Myra, um, are you feeling any, any optimism? Um, yeah. For the club? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. I mean, um, just carrying. They're going to come good. Back on Keisha's points. Um, We did also buy a bunch of under 25, under 23 um, mm. players. They're all developing at different levels, mm. you know, like they're not like developing together at the same time and the chemistry they're still building. There are so many question marks on like whether, you know, this player will play better with this player or that player. So there's a lot of, um, again, with the injuries, you know, like it's a lot of question marks on which is the best starting lineup even, you know, uh, Pochettino has been playing Levi Colwell at left back, which is a huge problem these days. And recently we got Ben Chilwell back, so that's a huge upside. Hmm. So I feel like, again, we're not going to see the best of Chelsea this season. I don't think so. I don't think we're going to climb up to like number five or number six. I don't think so. But we'll see better results, I think, from this point onwards. You're a glass yeah. half full kind yes. of gal, aren't you? <laughs> so optimistic. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we take a break and just to update you, it is apparently still 1-0 to South Korea. It's half time, uh, is it? Uh, yeah, at half time. Uh, producer Daryl does a lot of communicating by nodding his head and we all understand and uh, we'll take a quick break when we come back uh, a little bit more Premier League some FA Cup third round and Spanish Super League and African Cup of Nations here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9 more football when we come back Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9 Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9 Welcome back to part three with myself, Cam Roslan, Myra and Kishnan Sundaresan. And now I was saying to uh, our guys here that uh, as nil-nils go, it was an exciting match. And they were like, eh. Um, Everton nil, Aston Villa nil. I thought it was pretty thrilling stuff. Two disallowed goals, one of which I really didn't understand why it was disallowed. I couldn't get it. Good goalkeeping. And I guess Everton would be happy with the point. I mean, they would have had rather, and they could have had three points, but uh, Kish, they did what they had to do. Yeah, I think I think they'll they'll, they'll, they'll be slightly happy with the point. I mean, obviously they were playing at home, um, and you know these are the sort of home games that, um, if you know Sean Dyche, you know he takes a lot of uh, pride on, in winning home games. Uh, but I just want to pinpoint a single player that I felt was really really good in this game, Brantwaite. I know a lot of people have been talking about him for months now, um, and to be fair, personally, I've never really paid. A lot of attention So I've just kind of been like Oh, you know Keeping it aside Maybe one day I got to like Pay a bit of attention And then you pay attention to him And you realise Hang on a minute There is a player in here Right? Like he's he's up against I mean, sorry He's right beside Tarkovsky Who is, you know uh, Another traditional English defender Who is great in the air Who, you know Dominates opponents physically And he doesn't look out of place Right He's only 21 He's young But he's so dominant I think he won Every single Battle in the air On that day Jared Branthwaite And and I think It's just a matter of time Before teams come knocking Especially if you need a The, the added bonus Is that um, He's left footed mm. A left footed Center back Is like a You know Hot property yes. in the market These days So uh, I'm really really excited About Jared Branthwaite mm. Mario You've been nodding your head Uh I mean, it's true. I think I mean, she's been, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's I think been um, the Premier League, I think watchers would probably agree. Um, you know, Everton obviously pride themselves in defending really well. Mm. And, you know, you have Tarkowski, which is, yeah, he, he, he's been one of the best in the Premier League for a while now. But to add Jared Branthwaite next to him, that's just like one of the best defenses, I think. But, and then I think 
it gets more fun when I saw this really, really interesting fact. Where this is the first nil-nil um, in the Premier League for Unai Emery in 97 games. Mm. So that is a, that's an incredibly stat. wild stat statistic. Yeah. Okay, that's incredibly fun statistic. Like Unai Emery, his teams always scores goals. They have Watkins, yeah. they have Diaby to keep them at bay as well. That is such such huge feat. Hmm. And um, sp- speaking of which, though, uh, I'm not saying the wheels are coming off the Aston Villa um, onslaught. You would love to, wouldn't no, you? No, not at all, not at all. No, I, I, uh, Myra said earlier that she would love to see um, a Liverpool uh, win. The, I would love to see Aston Villa win, but that'd be amazing, because I, mean, I loved it when Leicester won. Yeah, but, but your, your, your desire to see a, an underdog success... Versus your desire for chaos, <laughs> which is a lot bigger, Ken. Uh, anyway, my, <laughs> the point I want—you made me forget the point. Okay, yeah, so the wheels are coming off the uh, Aston Villa um, Unai Emery show. No, um, but are, is, are things slowing down? Uh, you said nil-nil, and there there been a few uh, losses, well, draws actually primarily. Um, uh, Keisha, they. Um, Everything okay over at the Villa camp, do you think? I mean, I wouldn't think that the wheels are, are not coming exactly, off. Yeah, yeah, no, not exactly. I mean, I, I remember us having this conversation at the start of the season where we spoke about how um, every single season the Premier League just gets even more competitive to the point where uh, great football teams will sometimes get dragged down in difficult games. And this was just one of those. And it's not to say that Villa didn't try. They attempted and they created some really good chances in this one. Could have scored at least one or two in this game. On a different day, they score one and get away with a 1-0 win. And But at the same time, on a different day, they also concede one and go home without a single point. So in the larger context of things, given you know uh, where they are in the league and given the journey that they've been on, uh, a nil-nil at Goodison Park isn't hmm. exactly a bad result. And I don't okay. think Unai Emery will take that. Okay, um, I, I'm going to uh, put forward a theory with the next one. Burnley won, Luton Town won. And I was watching this and it suddenly struck me that, you know, I was thinking, when Burnley are playing Luton Town, I think it was a 17-point gap between the two of them when they were in the championship. And now Luton is, is above Burnley. Vincent Company is still playing that style. So an opportunity for him to play that that freewheeling style with players who just can't really quite pull it off. In, I mean, he's playing like Manchester City, but they can't pull it off. And it struck me, I think Vincent Company does have a plan, <laughs> right? And I think that plan is for himself because he wants to say to people, look, to, to prospective employers, look, look what I can do. Look, this is my style. I do this. Come what may, imagine me with a good team. Mm. And because he doesn't, he doesn't adapt. He's not going. He's never going to do a Sean Dyche. He's not. Wanna, he doesn't want to get thrown into that pile of journeyman managers who can just do any old style. He doesn't want to be seen as a, a Jose Mourinho. I mean, he wants to be seen as as Pep's heir. Uh, Myra, discuss um. my thesis. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's true. Th- that's a very um, interesting theory. Um, I would say a mark of a good manager is also a manager that can adapt um, tactically according to the level of the players you have, according to the circumstances you've been given. Um, just look at Ten Hag, of course. Like He has such a great squad, but also he cannot adjust to game states, like you know, controlling the tempo and knowing when to defend and knowing when to like push everyone forward. Um, with Vincent Company, I think it's very, very one-dimensional actually at the moment like we know they play well they move the ball really well um 
uh, throughout the field. But I, I think also one of the things that lets him down is in their final third, they don't have a lot of like mm. goal scoring presence or like a lethal goal scorer. They recently acquired David Datro Fofana from Chelsea on loan, um, which I guess might help a little bit. He hasn't been scoring a lot of goals for Union Berlin, Union Berlin right? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think he is trying to still, you mm. know, That's still right. his philosophy. Mm. I, I, I just don't think. Um, It's, it's that great. It's, uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, here's what I think about uh, Vincent Company. Um, I'll group him in the same category of managers like Patrick Vieira, for instance, where they've shown a lot of promise and you see a lot of positive, progressive ideas. Um, but it needs a step or two more steps of evolution before they become a more complete manager. And that's the space that they lie in. I mean, if, if, purely if we take your argument for that matter, Cam, Ange Postacoglu is another guy who who just wants to attack, who refuses to to change his style of play, even if it means they lose a game. He just wants to constantly attack. But the difference is he's got so many different ways of attacking, right? Against a different opposition, he attacks in a different way. Against when a new challenges is when a new when when, when a team adapts to him midway through a game, Ange adapts. The overarching principle remains, which is that they want to attack, but how they do it can change. And that's where the pragmatism comes but in but for also, someone and like And also, Ange. he has resources. He, he takes Celtic. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, no, but to be fair, I mean, some of the clubs he's been to before, it's not exactly that they've had resources. Yeah. No, but they, they had the biggest resources in their league. Not necessarily. Mel I mean, Melbourne. Celtic, yes. Yokohama F. Marinos, not necessarily. No. He made some smart signings, um, you know, plucked to play from Thailand at at Marinos when he was at, at Celtic, plucked players from, from Japan. So even at Spurs right now, he's got resources, but not the biggest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but you're not seeing the, biggest, the results. No. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think company like someone like Patrick Vera just needs a, a step or two more in their evolution like as Lampard, football manager. Like, like Lampard. Gerard. Yeah. What? Yeah. Are we still sorry. Are we, sorry, are we still Lampard talking and Gerard about... even one step below them for yeah. that matter? Yeah. 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 I'm sorry, are we still talking about those managers? <laughs> I, I don't know what... <laughs> no, I don't know where you're coming from. Hey, uh, rapid fire round. Uh, okay, right, yes no, yes or no. Uh, FA Cup third round replays. Myra, Wolves versus Brentford. Uh, Brentford. And uh, Keish, Bolton Wanderers versus Luton Town. Luton. Okay. Bristol City versus West Ham. Uh, West Ham. And Blackpool versus Nottingham Forest. Forest. And finally, Everton versus Crystal Palace. Everton. Um... That was really boring. <laughs> I was expecting so. Okay, I'm, well then let me say, Blackpool's going to beat Forest. I, 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 hey, come on. That's very, that's very, most of their players enough, in the African yeah. Cup of Nations. Very, very possible. Which we're going to be talking about in part four here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Uh, welcome back to... I'm sorry, something just happened there in the last second. <laughs> uh, welcome back to Just for Cakes with myself, Cam, and Myra and Keish, part four. And now, before we get on to the African Cup of Nations, Myra, um, the Spanish Super Cup took place in Riyadh Theatre of Dreams. And uh, <laughs> and it was, well, you said it, you said it was the, it was as expected. It was. Yeah? It was, it was, it was. It, um, final score, 4-1. Yes. To Real Madrid. Yes. Um, just by seeing how dominant Real Madrid have been throughout uh, the past few well seasons and also just past few games, 
comparing to Barcelona, who is struggling really, really hard at the moment um, with their players, with Xavi um, as a coach as well. It was pretty, pretty much expected. Um, I think they fielded a very, very good lineup as well. But even then, they couldn't... It, it felt like a bullying of some sort, you mm. know, Vinicius Jr. versus Ronald Araujo and also Jules Koundé. It really felt like they didn't stand a chance. Vinicius Jr. on his best day is probably one of the best players in the world as well. Yeah, yeah. and um, just also adding Jude Bellingham into the mix this season, Real Madrid have been really, really good. Was it my imagination though? Was uh, Real Madrid playing the long ball? It, was, it balls over the top. Yeah, and there's yeah. Vinicius Junior running. Yeah, but even if they were playing through midfield, they would still be pretty dominant because just the athletic profiles of Real Madrid. You know, you have Fede Valverde, um, Chouameni, you have Jude Bellingham against uh, Frankie De Jong, Pedri, who's also you know just coming back from injury, a long, long injury. It was just a, a very, very big mismatch in tech. In athletic profiles and technical profiles, I mm. think, yeah. But uh, they got paid 40 million euros. I'm not sure if that was for both of them or for uh, for mm-hmm. each club. And um, Barcelona could do with the money. So. Yes. So they got paid that to play the game in Riyadh. Um, we have an update on the scoreline. South Korea 1, Bahrain 1. Ooh. Um, I that's a plot twist. Is that, is that a good thing? Is this a good thing or not? I don't know. I mean, it's a draw, a draw is, yeah, a draw it's is a okay. It's a good thing for Malaysia. A draw is okay, for Malaysia, is it draw? What, isn't it that you want one team to just like go ahead and win everything? I mean, I suppose you, you, you would want South Korea, for example, in this instance to win it. Um, I wouldn't want Bahrain to win it, definitely. Uh, yeah. But a draw, sure, I'll take a draw. Okay. Evens right. out the group a bit more in that sense, yeah? Yeah, yeah. okay. So, Keisha's calm. Keisha's calm. <laughs> for now, for now. For now, for now. By the way, Keish will be um, on air later on yeah. Astro mm. um, with the pre-match show and... Um, you don't do commentary on that? No, no, no. Just the pre-match and the half-time and post. Okay. Right. I must say it now before I forget. So, African Cup of Nations mm. is happening. And we've already had some upsets. Cape Verde... Beat Ghana, yeah. the mighty Ghana. Um, Kish, the African Cup of Nations is, it's a bit of unknown territory to me, but you know it well. I, I, I Honestly, this year, because of the Asian Cup, I, I'm just spending a bit more attention mm. on there. But otherwise, like this is probably one of my favourite football tournaments because of just how chaotic it becomes. There are no rules this is the tournament where all gloves comes off. Everyone does whatever they want on the pitch. And you get crazy decision-making. You get surprises. You get horrendous refereeing decisions. You get everything, right? Um, for, for a simple example, I, I was watching the highlights of the Ivory Coast game or someone actually cut the clip of this incident from the Ivory Coast game. There was an incident where, you know, uh, there was a pressure from the opposition team and an, uh, and an Ivory Coast defender just boots the ball, I think, as high as he could, like almost outside the stadium. And I'm thinking to myself, is that the last couple of minutes of the game where you don't want to, you know, take any risk? And then I check the clock and it says minute two. <laughs> Second minute of the game. And under no pressure, you're just booting the ball that high outside. Like, who does that, right? But that's the AFCON for you. And um, you get upsets like, you know, Cape Verde beating um, um, Ghana, Mozambique almost mm-hmm. beat Egypt. Mozambique are ranked almost closely to Malaysia and they almost beat Egypt and it, it took a, a 96th minute penalty from Mo Salah to rescue a point mm. for Egypt. So you get narratives like this. But the one team that I'm keeping a close eye on is Namibia because um, Malaysia's Super League's 
only representative at the AFCON is playing for Namibia. Um, Kuching City's player Petrus Shitembi mm. and he okay. plays for Namibia. Um, he plays for the Namibian national team, so I'm keeping a close eye on them. Wow, wow. Uh, uh, Mara, you are you? Uh, well, Asian, <laughs> the Asian Cup has to take precedent, but nonetheless, yeah. which which uh, countries would you be thinking might be? Uh, doing um, well here? I'm looking at Ivory Coast as well because mm. um, they are the hosts, and um, usually the hosts have a good game and. Uh, I'm thinking Senegal. They won the last mm. one, um, and they still have like a very very good squad as well. Uh, I think those two, and also maybe Ghana when Kudus is back, mm. maybe they will turn the tide. I'm not too sure, but like they massively missed him in this game. Um, he's been scoring; pri- they're one of their primary goal scorers for the country for the past two years, three years. So they really yeah. really missed him. You know, uh, Senegal, you mentioned Senegal. I, there like, was a time when I would have known, just known names of mm-hmm. most... You half. know one, you know Nico Jackson. <laughs> oh, right, we, we were talking about him we earlier. Yeah. Sadio Mane. Oh, Sadio okay. Mane, yeah. Koulibaly. Koulibaly. Right. Yeah, right. the keeper and the defender. All right, some, <laughs> some good names. I mean, um, an Ivory Coast, they... I mean, I'm going back to Drogba days, I suppose, when I... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's the star player now? Uh, Seko Fofana? Yeah, Seko Fofana. He midfield. is coming off of... Um, he went to Saudi Arabia. He moved there um, to play in the Saudi Pro League. But before that, he had such an outstanding seasons for Lons mm. in the French League. I thought he would take the step and move to the Premier League because like, we need uh, players like him or move to the Bundesliga. But yeah, he moved to the Saudi Pro League and you know, good for him. But he is one of the best players they have. But I, I don't know. It's just a quick thing that I, I just... <clears throat> there, would, there would always be some giants of the game mm. who would be African and... Aside from Mohamed Salah, right now Victor Osiman, I'd say he's an absolute giant mm-hmm. of the game. Um, the, the this guy who literally scored the most amount of goals to help Napoli win the um, the Serie A last year. Um, he's spearheading the Nigerian attack, and I saw uh, there were a bunch of uh, fans from Naples that actually travelled all the way to support mm, Victor yeah. Osiman wow. at the Afcon, and <laughs> there was a photo of him, you know, receiving them at the hotel, and like. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, he, he's he's got god level status at, at Naples at the moment, and he's probably the probably the biggest star of the FCON. I mean, it you've is, got yeah. Salah still, probably slightly Sec- bigger. Yeah. Um, probably second Morocco? biggest. Yeah, mm, yeah I, I'd say mm-hmm. Osiman. Yeah. Oh, we have another goal. Uh, it's South Korea two, Ooh. Bahrain one. Lee Kang In uh, from PSG. Oh, okay. Beautiful. Right. That's uh, one of my, hopefully one of breakout stars of yeah. this tournament for yeah. me. Yeah, that was a quick reply, that one, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, let, let's uh, wrap up the African Cup Nations, um, Keish, by your teams to look out for. Uh, Morocco. Um, I think they did really well at the World Cup. Um, there's a lot of hope around that team and what they can continue from from what they pulled off at, in Qatar last year. Um, honestly, I like Nigeria a lot, but sometimes mm. they just self-sabotage. Like, yeah. I don't get it. On paper, they easily have one of the best. I mean, you've got Victor Osiman, you've got Joe Aribo, you've got Alex Iwobi, you've Lookman. got uh, Lukman, right? Like, so it's it's players. such a good team and they just need to stop self-sabotaging on the pitch because that's what they always do to themselves. Um, but I, I, I think... Uh, Egypt, despite their hiccup, I think Egypt are still favourites. I think Nigeria, I think Ivory Coast playing at home, they look really good in the first game. Um, and then Morocco, yeah. And, and Mara, any any kind of dark horses? I mean, Cape Verde, I, I, I feel like Cape, I've been hearing about Cape Verde in recent years, okay? I don't know what I'm basing that on. They're, they're decent. They're decent, yeah. 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 Uh, 
And uh, any Dark Horse teams that might uh, sort of take us all by surprise? Um, I would say I thought Nigeria would be it, uh, mm. just because on paper they look really, really good. And um, But again, with the self-sabotaging and not finding midfield balance and not fielding the best starting 11, it's been... Um, a recurring problem for them because we're all rooting for them, you know, because they have so many good players that can totally win like um, AFCON. But it's just finding the balance and also like the self-sabotaging. Other than that, um, I was hoping for a Mozambique upset uh, the other day, like, you know, for them to win. They've never won an AFCON match. And it's only with the draw, it's only their third point. Um, I would like to give a shout out to the left back who pocketed Mo Salah for <laughs> most of the game, um, Ray Nildo, who plays for Atletico Madrid. Um, yeah, it was a it was a very very you know it was almost an upset. Um, if they won, that would have been the biggest mm. story of Afcon in the first mm. game. So mm. okay, and so uh, finally, Kish, how far am I going to get in the Asian Cup? Um, I had to throw it at you. Cautiously <laughs> optimistic for a round of sixteen run. Oh. Yeah, that's that's as much as I would say. Yeah, that, I'm I'm surprised. Cautiously optimistic. Okay, I mean that's a great thing. Before it's all begun, yeah. now's the time for uh, hope and optimism. Yeah. And uh, Mary, what do you think? Um, yes, round of sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> that would be. They, when, could they get to the round of sixteen if they're third still? They could. Yeah, right? they could. They yeah. could. They could. Yeah. But they'd have to like beach pan or they something. Could. I mean, I'll, let, let's put this way, right? I'm I'm not going to talk about what I feel, what Myra feel, what you feel, right? Um, Malaysia was supposed to play Saudi Arabia in a pre-tournament friendly game, the final friendly game before the tournament start. Um, two, three weeks before it, Roberto Mancini requested for Saudi FA to cancel that game. The reason they gave was because he foresees a situation where Malaysia finished second in the group and then they play Saudi in the knockout stage. Oh. And that's Roberto Mancini. So I'm, it's not me. It's not Myra. It's, it's Mancini. Mancini, Mancini saying well, that. Well, yeah. and, and people have never argued with Mancini. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he's never wrong, he's right? Never, yeah, wrong. never been wrong. Yeah. Never been wrong. Okay, so, um, well, that brings us to the end of this week's show. And we look forward to tonight's match, which is what time is it? Uh, 1.30 a.m. kickoff, yeah. Okay. And uh, you, if you, you watch on Astro, you'll be able to see... Um, Kish discussing it. Uh, so uh, thank you so much to Kish and Sundaresan. Cheers, guys. Hopefully we get a result tonight. Uh, Myra, who apparently never sleeps. <laughs> <laughs> Correct, yeah. I, I don't think she ever does. Uh, I will after tonight's game. Hopefully I will sleep peacefully. Okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, myself, Cam Ruslan, and our producer, Daryl Ong, and we'll see you next time on uh, Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8 p.m. Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.